We're in John's Gospel, chapter 16, verses 1 through 7 this morning. This is the farewell discourse of our Lord. He is teaching, instructing his disciples. He is, he's through instructing the masses. He's focused on his disciples. Um, this is his last instruction to them. He will be crucified in less than 24 hours. So this is a lengthy teaching from roughly chapter 13 with the foot washing that took place and then through chapter 17 with his high priestly prayer. So powerful words of our Lord Jesus, important words. He does have a message for us. He continues to speak to us through his word, and we would would benefit greatly uh, by heeding uh, the words of our Lord uh, this morning. Verse, beginning with verse 1 of chapter 16 there in John's gospel. These things I have spoken to you. So that you may be kept from stumbling. They will make you outcasts from the synagogue. But an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that he is offering service to God. These things they will do because they have not known the Father or me. But these things I have spoken to you so that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told you of them. These things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage, it is to your good that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The word of the Lord. Father in heaven, we bow before you, thanking you that you speak to us, that we have a Bible to open, and in that Bible we have your words of instruction to us. We're thankful, God, that we have your word to nourish our souls. So help us during this time. Lord, we pray that your work would be carried forth this morning, that those who do not know Jesus would come to know Jesus, that those in this room 
who know Jesus, of which there are many, would grow in their affection for Jesus, would grow in spiritual knowledge, wisdom, and strength. And all of this to your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So there's three three points that come from this. I want to give you these as we begin. Jesus uh, speaks to us, first of all, concerning our spiritual protection. Jesus is concerned with your spiritual uh, well-being. So he is going to speak for our spiritual protection. Secondly, he will speak into our lives concerning our spiritual disposition. Our disposition, our attitude. And then finally, he will speak concerning a spiritual consolation. Um, All these are important. And here's, here's one thing at the outset we just must land squarely on the fact that this is a spiritual thing. This is spiritual. That, you know, it's, it's really easy for human beings to forget the fact that they are spiritual beings. I mean, we, we, everything is focused on the physical, I think. I think much is focused on the physical. What you have in your hand, what you have on your back, roof over your head, what you're driving, what you're storing, your treasure. We think in physical terms. Jesus is not speaking in physical terms. He is putting the premium on your spiritual health. And your spiritual health is really what matters. That's what I love about Jesus. He speaks to the heart of who we are as human beings, as people who believe him. And he is looking out for our spiritual well-being. I mean, just think about these disciples. They're facing the fact that Jesus has told them on numerous occasions that he's leaving. I'm leaving. I'm going to the cross. I'm going to die. And they're in some degree of turmoil because of that. This one that they have looked to for three years, they have seen him. I mean, he's ta- he takes care of everything. If people are hungry, he can take a small lunch and he can feed the multitudes. Jesus can call, he calms the storm. He He does everything, and he's telling these guys, I'm leaving. So from the last part of chapter 13, all the way up to this point, for the most part, he's talking about the blessings. He's he's saying, it's going to be all right. He says, says, believe, right? He's telling them, I'm going to leave, but you believe. Believe in the Father, believe in me. Believe, just trust. He goes on to to let them know that they should love one another. He tells them that they should, should keep his words in their heart. What's he talking about? He's talking about 
spiritual, how to stay healthy in your spiritual life. He's looking out for their spiritual well-being. He does not ever hint at um, you're going to, you know, you're going to always have a, a three course meal or a five course meal. He doesn't, he doesn't talk in those terms. He's saying, let my word abide in you and, and you abide in me and, and you believe and you trust and, and, and I and believe it. He says, I love you. I've loved you from the beginning and, and I'll keep on loving you and I'm going to leave my peace with you. None of that has to do with what you can hold in your hand. And that's important for us to know. And, and really, more than knowledge, we need to value that. We need to value the spiritual investment that Christ is making, not only in those disciples then and there, but he is making it in our lives in the here and now, because we need to hear this. It's not, a, it's not about the physical things. Physical things are nice. It takes food. I like to eat. All that. But what's more important is to be nourished on the word of God. What's more important is to walk in obedience to our Lord Jesus and his commands. What's more important is when the world is at its darkest, that we are shining at our brightest because of him and because of his investment in us. What else does he say? He says, well, he says, I'm going to leave my spirit with you. He tells, he's told them numerous times, who's going to come? Jesus says, when I leave, the helper will come. The comforter will come and he'll be with you. Jesus even, he goes off the, really off the page. He says, and when I go, he says, you're going to do the works that I did. And he says, you're going to do greater works. And we, they scratch their head going, how could you do greater? But he's talking about spiritual realities. He's talking about, he's talking about living the gospel. He's talking about sharing Jesus with others, letting others know how to be saved. This is what he's talking about. You're going to do greater works. You're going to, you're going to take the gospel to the ends of the, of the earth. You're going to preach the gospel to the poor. Those who are spiritually impoverished and they're going to hear it and they're going to, they're going to have a wealth of, of spiritual blessings because of the gospel. Jesus was so good in building them up and letting them know that even though he's leaving, this is the bottom line. There are spiritual resources available for those who trust Christ and you're going to need them. You're going to need them. I mean, he didn't leave and say, okay, I'm leaving, fend for yourself. You got this. No, you don't have this. You need help. And uh, I can't say it any more plainer than that. You're going to need help. What's the, uh, what's the title of the sermon? Help for what's coming. Help for what's coming. Well, what's coming? Well, you know, the way I look at it, either Jesus... Before I die, either Jesus or I will die. And I need help in life. I need the help of the spiritual resources that he provides. So here, let's look at, let's get to point number one. 
I know you've been waiting for that one. He says, these things I have spoken to you so that you may be kept from stumbling. Now, so he's, he's telling them that he never wants the disciples to feel trapped. The word there, stumbling, uh, scandalon, it's, it's a trap. He doesn't want them to be trapped. Um, if you'll look over here, let's set this up this way. Verse 18 of chapter 15. So in, in the midst of all the love and all the spiritual resources and all the spiritual benefits that Jesus is, is, is conveying to these disciples that they're going to have, they're going to have the power of heaven on their side. That's good news. But then in verse 18, he says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Wait a second. The world hates He's been talking about love and peace and joy and uh, the helper will be with us. And now, if the world hates you, what, wait, what? The world hates us? He says, if you were of the world, verse 19, the world would love its own. But because you are not of this world, you are not of the world. Those who believe in Christ are not of this world. You are not of this world system. You are not of the enemy. You are of God. You have been born from above. You've been justified by faith. You've been adopted into the family of God. Your sins are forgiven. You're a child of God. You have access to God by the blood of Jesus in prayer. You can lift up a prayer to God. All of these things. But he says, all of this because you're, you're not of the world. And Jesus says, but I, verse 19, I chose you out of the world because of this, the world, there it is, the world hates you. You know, we don't, we don't fit in, we believers, God's church, God's spiritual family, we do not fit in to the world. We should never be comfortable with the world. I mean, we're in it. We want to bring the gospel to people who don't know Jesus. We have a, we have a great attitude. We're, we're thankful for people. Um, we're not, we're not bringing, uh, necessarily a legalism or religion to the world. We just walk in relationship to Jesus and we know he's got all things in hand, including our lives, but we're never going to be comfortable with the things that the world values. Never. So he's, he doesn't want his disciples to be caught by surprise. These things I've spoken to you so that you may be kept from stumbling. Listen, it's like this, never, never feel so overwhelmed by what's going on in the world and the things that the world values that you feel trapped and you feel like you have no one to turn to. You do have someone to turn to. You have a great God in heaven who has invited you to bring your petitions to him. You have the fellowship of the saints. You have the truth of God's word. We have all of these resources. Never feel trapped. Never feel like the world is 
getting so big and so bad and so overwhelming that you can't do a thing. You are free in Christ to pursue Jesus and to pursue God. And on your worst day, when the world's the darkest and you feel like it's pressing in on you, pray to God. Pray with the light of the truth. Pray with the help of the Holy Spirit. Pray with a great optimism that God is sovereign and he's taking care of you and he's taking care of yours and he's taking care of his church. You never, listen, and I've, I've sensed this. I've even sensed a little bit in my own life. You're like, well, you know, you check your news feed. I don't know if you're still doing that or not. I do, just occasionally. And uh, you check in, you go, well, I mean, what are we supposed to do? I mean, you know, what are we supposed to do? Well, you walk with Jesus. That's what you do. You keep your eyes on Jesus. And always re- remember, the headline ain't the headline. The headline is Jesus. The headline is what he does. And the headline is what he's doing. So don't be trapped. That's what he says. I've spoken to you so that you won't ever feel trapped. That you will not stumble. Well, I wasn't going to do this, but we need a lighter side. So most of you wouldn't know this about me. but There was one summer of my life that I was hired to trap groundhogs. Did you know I was a groundhog trapper at one time? Me and this other guy, his name's Tom, hadn't seen him since. They gave us four, 40 double spring traps at the University of Tennessee Ag Farm. And they said, we want you to trap one field at a time and uh, trap these groundhogs. Yay! So that's what we did. And these traps, that's where we're getting. The trap. So they had an extension. They're kind of square looking. And you have to bend them and the whole deal. But you find a hole. You put it over the hole. And the groundhog don't have a chance. He's going to hit that part in the middle. The trip. It'll trip the trap when they come out of that hole. And it just smacks down on them. And they're dead. And then we get to go get them out of the trap. And we get to weigh them. They wanted to know everything about these groundhogs for some reason. But anyway, it's a great job. Uh, <laughs> killed a bunch of groundhogs that, that summer. The point is, Jesus doesn't want you to be trapped. Ever. Who wants to trap you? The enemy wants to trap you. The enemy wants to discourage you. The enemy wants to cloud your mind. The enemy wants you to think you're all alone. Remember Elijah? I'm all alone. Look what all I've done for you, God, and I'm all alone. The Lord says, not so fast. I've got 7,000 more that have not bowed the knee to Baal. Be encouraged today. That's what I'm saying. He doesn't want you to be trapped, and he's telling you the truth. Point number two. He speaks to us with regard to our disposition. Now, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, so we're going to zip through two and three and four, which deal with point one. Notice what he says. He says, they will make you outcasts from the synagogue. What? So that means they're going to be kicked out of church. 
Nope. It's worse. If you were a Jew and you were connected to the synagogue, that's your life. That's your lifestyle. It's not just religious. It covers everything. You're living in that community, that synagogue community. And if you're kicked out of the synagogue, remember the man born blind? Remember his parents? They didn't want, when Jesus healed him, remember? And the parents kept saying, they kept inquiring, how did this, he was born blind. How did how, how is he made well? And they said, well, they say this. And John tells us in John chapter nine, they didn't want to be kicked out of the synagogue. Remember that? Remember reading it? They didn't want to be kicked out of the synagogue. That was a big deal. In fact, it happens another time. There are people that are believing in Jesus, but they won't confess him. Why? They didn't want to be kicked out of the synagogue. That was a big deal to be kicked out of the synagogue because it messed up your whole way of life. You know what Jesus is saying? He's saying, even if they want to make you outcasts, even if your way of life is taken from you, that is not as important as the spiritual investment that Christ has made to us through his death, through his bloodshed on the cross, through his resurrection from the dead. The lifestyle can be taken away, but the spiritual reality of Jesus and his promise to save us is forevermore. That's what he's saying. He's not making them any grandiose promises. He says, they will make you outcast from the synagogue. And he says, but an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that he is offering service to God. Talk about insult to injury. He's telling it. And most of these apostles did die because of their faith. That's another story for another day. But he's saying that when they kill you, they're going to they're going to be praising God and they're going to expect God's approval of them because that's just the way they think. They're going to make you out to be the bad guy. Hmm, that's interesting, isn't it? And you know what? Jesus says that's okay. Because that's not that's not really what matters. What matters is your spiritual health and well-being. What matters is where you will spend eternity. That's what matters. He says, these things they will do because they have not known the Father or me. He said, they think they're doing service for God, but they don't know. He says, they don't know the Father. They don't know me. But these things I've spoken to you so that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told you of them. These things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. He's waiting till now to really unfold what is coming for them. And he's letting them know they need help. He says, but now I'm going to him who sent me. This gets better. And none of you asked me where you, where are you going? Now, this is interesting. Jesus is getting ready to be crucified on the cross. And they're, the disciples are really more worried about themselves than they are their master. That's pretty interesting. And Jesus says it. He says, nobody asks, where are you going? Nobody bothers to inquire about where I'm going, what I'm doing. But because I've said these things to you, here's point two. Sorrow has filled your heart. So Jesus speaks to us concerning our disposition. Sorrow filled their heart. I mean, these were apostles. 
These were the closest to Jesus. And Jesus says, um, I've been speaking these things to you. And, and as we speak, sorrow has filled your heart. Well, I mean, what do we expect? Jesus says, they're going to make you outcasts from the synagogue. He says, they're going to kill you. And the ones that kill you, they're going to think they're offering service to God. They're all mixed up. He says, they're going to do this, but they don't know the father or me. And Jesus says, sorrow has filled your heart. And you know what happens when sorrow fills the hearts of those who follow Jesus? Silence. Silence. Sorrow and silence go together. How do you know they were silent? Well, Jesus said, nobody asks where you are going. Where are you going? Nobody asks it. They're just in stunned sorrow and silence. Jesus speaks to that. Don't be sorrowful. Don't look at, don't look at your circumstances and allow those circumstances to determine the attitude of your heart. Even when the chips are down, even when it looks from a human perspective, not so good. Remember the spiritual investment that Jesus has made in his disciples. Remember his promises. Remember his instruction. Don't be surprised by hard times. Rely on the great resources of heaven. Rely on Jesus. He speaks to that disposition of sorrow. You read that? We brought up headlines a while ago. You read a headline? Oh, I'm sorrowful. What can I say? What do you say to that? You say, Jesus is Lord. That's what you say to that. You say, Jesus, Jesus will keep his promises. That's what you say to that. You say, this is temporary. That's what you say to that. But God and his promise and his work is eternal. That's what you say to that. That's what you remember. And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you today not to be sorrowful in your heart and spirit. And I want to encourage you not to be silent. It, it really is important to have spiritual conversations with those close to you and with your church family. Spiritual conversations. We, you know, we get into the human really quick and that's fine. We, you know, it, that's part of life. But spiritual conversations. What about that? How are you doing? Look at what we have to be thankful for on and on, but have those spiritual conversations with one another. And then finally, Jesus speaks to us concerning our spiritual consolation. And this is a, but I tell you the truth right there in verse seven, right there before our eyes. This is what he says, but I tell you the truth. Now, if you want the truth, you ain't going to, you're not going to get it from the world. They're all confused. They're all confused. Oh, I know what I wanted to say. I, I got I to get this real quick. Concerning the silence, it's real important for those spiritual conversations. It's also really important for all of us to know that we will not be silent with regard to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We will not be silent about that. We will not be silent about the issues of our day. We will not be silent concerning abortion, that it's wrong to take a life.
from the womb. We will not be silent about that. We will talk about that. Uh, We will not be silent about the fact that God created them male and female. And he intended one man, one woman, marriage for life. That's his plan. We will not be silent about that. We will speak up about that. That's what I'm saying. Um, It is not a time for silence. It is a time to speak up. It is a time to take a stand. Thanks for, for permitting me to get that in. But lastly, the consolation, the spiritual consolation. I tell you the truth. There it is right there in front of us. He says, it is to your advantage that I go away. Now, how those disciples wrap their minds around that statement, not real sure. But Jesus is telling them, it's for your good that I go. Now, there's a couple things at play here. Number one, if Jesus doesn't go away, he doesn't die on the cross. That's the first thing. So it is, it is good that he goes away because he is going to die on the cross. He is going to die in your place. He is going to shed his blood that you could look to him in faith and be saved. That's the first thing. But then he's going to rise from the dead. And then he's going to ascend to the right hand of the father. And from that place, he will carry out a high priestly ministry. And one day he will come again. He says, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So from the right hand of the father, Jesus promised to send forth the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has been sent forth on the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2, we read about it. And that Holy Spirit indwells every believer. Everyone who trusts Jesus has the Holy Spirit in his life. Paul said it this way. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. No one can say, well, what if somebody... No, say it and say it sincerely. No one can do that except by the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul said that himself. The Holy Spirit has a continuing uh, work and ministry in our lives. And he motivates us to, to love Jesus, to keep his word, to pray, to read the word. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Those promptings to read and walk with Jesus. That's what's important. That is the spiritual promise. So value the, the presence of the Holy Spirit In your life, value is comfort, value is instruction. He is the spirit of truth and he will be with us, guiding us, strengthening us, giving us wisdom until the day we see our Lord Jesus. One day we will see him face to face. We will look upon him, the one who died for us. We will see his scars. And we will rejoice in that day and we will thank him for the spiritual privileges that he has granted us as his children. Father in heaven, if there's one here today that doesn't know you, doesn't know your son, I pray you would bring great conviction on their heart and mind. Convincing them that Jesus is God and that Jesus atoned for our sin on the cross that we would be with him one day in heaven. 
Lord, if there's, a, if there's one here that's never trusted you in that way, I pray they would look to Jesus and live. That they would trust you from this day forward for the forgiveness of sin. And then, Lord, build the rest of us up in, in Jesus. Give us a great appetite for his word and a great appetite for the spiritual things. That we would glorify you, we pray in his name. Amen.